Some people may ask, well, what about the unchurched or the lost? Don't they need revival? Um, revival means to come back to life, to return to consciousness, or to revert back from a state of neglect. You see, Christians already know the Lord. Christians already have that relationship with God. But at times, we Christians get a little too comfortable in that relationship. We take it for granted. We get a little lax in our Christian walk. This is the time when our relationship with the Lord needs to be rejuvenated. When we are first saved, we are on fire for God. We can't get enough of the Lord. You remember that excitement? We crave His Word. We crave His direction for our life. We crave His approval. When we're first saved. But as time goes by, little by little, our fire turns into a flame. The flame turns into an ember. Slowly but surely, we begin to fall right back into our old ways, right back into our old habits. Christians need a rebirth, a return of Christians from backsliding. We need a return back to that excitement that we had when we were first saved. You see, the unchurched or the lost people, they need evangelism, a new birth. John 3, 3, Jesus said, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. A new birth. Everyone on earth was born physically. Jesus is talking about a spiritual birth. Evangelism is meant to bring people to the Lord. Revival is to reawaken the Christian's passion for God. At my job, I work on a commissioned rate. I'm paid based on how much I sell. And I'm only paid once a month. That's right. Once a month. I run the same route five days a week, work the same stops five days a week, sell the same product five days a week, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning. Tim Shelton brought it up. I become complacent in my job sometimes. Same, same, same. Pretty soon, I just start going through the motions instead of putting my heart into it. Now, maybe not at your job, but I'm pretty sure everybody in here 
can relate to this state of complacency. At some form or fashion, at some point in your life, you have experienced this same thing. Amen? How about the way we worship? Are we growing complacent with God? Are we just mouthing the words to the song instead of singing from our heart? Are we just sitting here during the sermon? Maybe even this sermon. Thinking about lunch instead of about the Lord. Are we giving the same dollar amount for our tithe that we've always given just because that's what I've always given? Are we just reciting a routine prayer rather than really speaking to God from our heart? Have we grown complacent in our worship? Then it may be time for a revival. Okay, so back to my story now. I mentioned that I only get paid once a month at my job. That's when I get my revival. <laughs> That's when I get my reawakening. That's when I get my rejuvenation. I can look at that number on that check and say, Chad, you didn't put your heart in it this month. Now, I told y'all I talk to myself sometimes, right? <laughs> I say, Chad, you didn't put your heart in it this month. And then I start going back in my mind, thinking about all the times I missed the sale here. I missed the sale there. Man, I run out of something over here. That was all dollars that could have been in my pocket. So, hey, I start out the new month with a different attitude. I can do better this month. And I do the first couple of weeks. But a month is a long time. And I forget about that last revival. And before I know it, little by little, surely but slowly, I have backslidden. And here comes another first of the month revival. You see, this is what a revival is for. The same principle applies. It's to make us realize that, hey, we have grown complacent in our worship. We have grown complacent with God. A revival is to re-energize our passion for the Lord. Now that we know who needs revival and we know a little bit more about what revival is, let's talk about the when. And again, I found it hard to say when we're going to get revival until I looked at how we get revival. So, again, I combined the first two questions and answered them with one. When and how does revival occur? So, back to 2 Chronicles 7.14 one time. If my people, now this is God talking, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... I will hear from heaven, 
and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Spiritual revivals are not the work of human hands. Despite the advances in media and technology, man-made programs do not generate nor do they guarantee spiritual revival. Psalm 85, 6 says, Will you, talking about God, will you not yourself revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Revival is the product of a work of a sovereign God. Revival is the work of a product of a sovereign God. But, y'all knew that was coming, didn't you? But, it is a work that is done in response to the devotion of even one godly man or woman. Even one. Reminds me of our theme for this year. Our theme for this year is one making one. Be a disciple, make a disciple. A revival that can reach thousands. A revival that can reach millions or even billions starts with one. One person, one church. One community, one state, one nation. You see, there's no limit to what God can do through one godly man or woman. In 1867, an evangelist challenged a young man with these words. The world has yet to see what God can do with and for, and through, and in a man or woman who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. Now the young man heard this challenge and he thought to himself, you see, that's the difference between this guy and me. It says here, he thought to himself. I would have said to myself, but he thought to himself, I want to be that person. That young man's name was Dwight L. Moody, who went on to preach the gospel to over 100 million people, build a Bible institute, and incite spiritual revival across two nations. All of this from one godly person. Revival is the work of God, but revival is always born in the hearts of consecrated people. God looks on our hearts. He will use any man or woman whose heart is wholly consecrated to him. You and I must ask ourselves, how important is it to me to be used by God 
You see, God will not use wishy-washy, double-minded, fence-sitting, worldly-minded believers. We must choose where we want our lives to count, either in the world or for God. And not making a decision is making a decision. Dwight L. Moody made his decision for God. God is looking for people who are willing to fulfill His conditions for revival, as outlined in 2 Chronicles 7.14. God says, if my people humble themselves and pray, if my people seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, now the context of this verse is the dedication of the just-completed temple that Solomon built in Jerusalem in response to God's word. Solomon offers a prayer on behalf of the nation. One man offered a prayer on behalf of the entire nation. And God appears to Solomon, and he, uh, he gives Solomon his answer. In God's answer is found this verse outlining God's conditions for national, spiritual healing. Conditions for revival. And I've got to tell you, if a nation was ever in need of revival, if a nation was ever in need of healing, it is our nation right now. But it's got to begin with us, God's people, Christians. God does not require every citizen to respond to his offer, but God does require his people to respond to his offer. Because God has chosen to work through us. So here is God's answer to when and how we will get revival. When? When God's people humble themselves and pray. How? When God's people seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Now the four conditions required by God of his people can be grouped into two pairs. The latter condition dependent on the first condition in each pair. The first pair we're told is humble themselves and pray. Now, most people would have put prayer first. But prayer without humility is a wasted activity. Only a genuinely humble person can offer a sincere prayer. Only a truly humble person is convinced in their heart of their helplessness and God's sovereignty. But be sure of this. No one can make us humble. They may humiliate us, but that's only going to cause anger and resentment, not humility. Only we can humble ourselves, just like Jesus humbled himself when he obeyed his Father all the way 
to the point of death. Jesus obeyed his Father and gave his life willingly for us. Philippians 2.8 says, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. If we are not humble, guys, it ain't because we cannot be. It's because we will not be. Our pride gets in our way. But whether we will admit it or not, we need God. Our church needs God. Our community needs God. Our county needs God. Our state needs God. Our nation needs God. Without God's mercy, each and every one of us would drop dead as surely as a rock hitting the ground. Now, God ratchets up his conditions for revival in a second pair of requirements. It's not enough that we humble ourselves, nor is it enough that we pray. He desires us to seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. Now, there are at least two instances of people seeing or asking to see God's face. One was when Jacob wrestled with God and said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now, the second was when Moses asked God to see his glory. God said, you cannot see me and live. Wait a minute. God said you cannot see me and live. But Jacob claimed he'd seen God face to face and his life was preserved. How do we explain that seeming contradiction? Jacob saw God in the form of a theophany. Y'all like that, don't you? I've had that one in my holster for a while ready to drag it out. A theophany is the physical and visible manifestation of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Jacob saw God filtered through a theophany, whereas Moses was asking to see God's face in all its glory. So here's what God's requiring when he tells us to seek his face. That we stand before him, person to person, open to the search of our hearts and giving him absolute freedom to take, alter, or change, or replace anything. I said anything, right? Anything that he deems evil or dirty or harmful. Anything. Only when we gaze into the eyes of the one who is pure holiness, who loves us supremely, who was willing to sacrifice his only son for us, only then will we be willing to turn from the pleasures that hold us prisoner, that keep us from being all that God wants us to be. Only then will we be able to break free from the spell that draws us to the forces of darkness and turn us towards the pure light of God. And we must turn. 
Unless we turn, it shows our faith is lacking conviction. God's pleasures will only come upon those who will take their stand with him. Those who will resist temptation and turn their backs on the promises of the world. On the empty promises of the world. This will only be possible for those who have humbled themselves before the Almighty. This will only be possible for those who have coveted to walk with God in continuous prayer. Do we want revival? Do we need revival? Here's how we get it. Humble ourselves. Pray, seek, and turn. At the beginning, I said we were going to prepare. Prepare our minds, prepare our hearts, prepare our emotions for God to work in us. This is how we do it. Humble ourselves, seek, pray, and turn. God says in this passage that when we do this, quote, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. There is God's promises. God says, then I will hear from heaven. But that confused me. Doesn't God always hear? You see, God does always hear. But in Scripture, when he says, I will hear, it also means, I will answer. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, we are told, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Those who will meet God's conditions will see their prayers fulfilled. God also says he will forgive their sin. That's the promise of a new start, a new life, a new relationship with God, our Father. With forgiveness comes renewal and restoration of our intimacy with our Heavenly Lord. Resulting in spiritual growth. Resulting in revival. Then God says he will heal their land. When God's people fulfill God's conditions, all people experience God's blessings. Now scripture, scripture reveals the relationship between the spiritual world and the natural world, the physical world. Natural disasters can be a sign of God's judgment. Um, can be. Prosperity can be an indication of God's pleasure. Can be. Think about what's going on in the world today. Is our land in need of God's healing? Is our land falling away from God's morals? Is our love for pleasure 
wealth, or even social status replacing our love for our neighbors? Is our church, community, county, and state in need of God's healing? Is our nation in need of God's healing? The ultimate solution is in the hands of God's people. We are the key to God's forgiveness and healing that can revive all people to a new spiritual awareness and a new relationship with our Creator. Starts with one. One Christ. It begins with one. Do you want to be that person? Do we want to be those people? If so, we've got to humble ourselves. Pray. We've got to seek God's face. We've got to turn from our old ways. It can begin right here today with us, God's people. That's the first step, becoming one of God's people. If you're not one of God's people, if you don't have that relationship with God, you can get that today. Take that first step, that first step of faith. Come down this aisle and let us show you what it takes to be one of God's people. Don't put it off another day. We're not promised tomorrow. Maybe you've already taken that first step. And now you realize how badly we, our church, we, our state, and we, our nation, need God. How badly we need revival from God. Let's start praying for that today. Let's start asking God for that kind of revival. The altar is open. God is listening. Let's ask him for spiritual revival that only he can bring to our church, to our state, to our nation. It starts with one. It only takes one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for being here with us. Now we are here just asking for revival, for your spiritual healing, for your touch on us as a person, on us as a church, on us as a state, and on us as a nation. Lord, spiritual healing to our nation. Now, Father, we pray for our revival, revival preacher, Larry Robertson. We ask you to get him near his home safe. We ask you to work on his heart and his mind now to prepare him to bring us a real revival from God. 